Um, well, good morning. It's great to be here. Uh, we've had uh, a great time at Eagle Hawk this morning and greetings from the congregation over there. If you're watching online, uh, wonderful to have you join us today. Um, I had coffee with someone uh, this week and uh, I mentioned that I was speaking this Sunday and uh, the topic was silence and solitude and they, they suggested that we, we spend 30 minutes in silence and solitude this morning and I thought, oh, that's a, that's a great idea and um, went home and mentioned it to my, my wife and she said, isn't that what you do every time you get up? <laughs> uh, she was just having a bit of fun. But um, at the beginning of the year, I made a commitment to a New Year's resol- re- resolution and um, that, a couple of resolutions, but one of them was to not watch TV for the year. So I'm 11, I'm 11 months into that, that New Year's resolution and uh, it's been... Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, at the time, for me, uh, I, I was... Uh, I was deeply getting affected by the, the narrative that I was hearing, whether it was through news feeds or whether it was through just watching stuff on TV. And I, I just felt myself, I felt troubled in my spirit and I said, I can't, I can't take this. Um, and so I made that decision to not watch TV. But I also made it because I wanted to minimise the noise out of my life uh, and to, uh, to spend some time other than watching TV, just doing other things. And um, it's been great. Um, in the evening, it's very quiet in our household um, because there's no TV on it. And it's often just sitting there in the quiet that um, I'm thinking about life, I'm hearing from God, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful uh, decision that I made. I don't know if I'm going to go back. Um, it's going to be hard to to go back to that noise and that narrative. Um, over the last couple of weeks, we've been in this series, Silence and Solitude, and a focus on the value of spending time alone with God. And I don't know about you, but it was a, it's been a timely reminder as we drift towards Christmas, the rush of Christmas, whether it's break-up parties or whether it's just simply getting ready for Christmas Day. We get very busy and it's it's so easy just to leave things out that uh, uh, normally would be so vital to it, to our walk, our faith journey. Um, the the series came from this thinking uh, at the time from the pastors uh, around the need to to keep pushing into some of the spiritual disciplines and. Uh, what has been suggested over the last couple of weeks and what I'm going to suggest today is, is, is not a rule. It's not something that we are asking that you go away and, and do um, necessarily. We're, in, we're inviting you to do that. It's a, I've got here suggested rhythm. So this is something we're not, as pastors, trying to just put another layer of legalistic rules out there for you to do. We're inviting you into a practice that will hopefully give you life. Um, it's an invitation to be still and know that God is God. Uh, there's a the quote on the screen here by Dallas Willard. There's a few uh, writers that uh, evangelicals drift to in this space, and Dallas Willard is one of them. And it says this, silence 
Uh, sorry, solitude well practiced will break the power of busyness, haste, isolation and loneliness. You will find yourself and God will find you in new ways. Silence completes solitude by allowing the reality of God to stand in the midst of your life. I love that. By allowing the reality of God to stand in the midst of your life. Trina focused on silence and solitude and and the way that that um, builds strength into our our journey. And Dave focused last week on, on wisdom and today... The series finishes uh, with a focus on finding peace and comfort um, in, in, in silence and solitude, in, particularly in moments that are tough. And uh, I want to ask a question. Have you got something on the horizon at the moment that is creating some uh, perceived pressure coming for your life? making you feel anxious. Maybe something is beginning to affect the way that you think and feel. You may even be fearful of. It could be a, a change in, 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 in a job. Um, it could be uh, as you're drifting out of year 12, uh, what's ahead in regards to going uh, on to the next chapter. It could be around a relationship that is not going too well. Uh, I have tried to contact someone that I, I love dearly um, in the past month or two um, to sort some things out, and I've had zero response back. Uh, I've, I've attempted multiple times in a very gentle way, but I'm getting no response. And so there's this sense um, for me that, that um, particularly as I head to WA tomorrow, um, there's this pressure coming as I try and re-engage with, with um, that person over in the West. Um, maybe it's something as simple as uh, Christmas. There's uh, anticipatory anxiety building about Christmas, whether it's getting ready... Uh, uh, for Christmas Day in, in relation to a meal or all the gifts, uh, all the things that happen on, on, on Christmas Day, catching up with family. Maybe it's just one of those things that you feel the, the, the pressure coming. You know, um, as a pastor, uh, Sunday's like a steam train. Um, it, is, it is coming down the track at you and nothing will stop it. And uh, you you have to be ready, particularly if you're standing on on uh, up here to do um, uh, what I'm doing here in this moment. And uh, there's there's a pressure that comes with that. Life is full of twists and turns that can make you feel really unsettled, anxious, fearful, and wanting to even run away. And I'm I'm guilty of feeling like that at times I've had someone say to me, um, here you go, you're running again. Um, and I've had to confront, I've had to, to deal with that in my journey um, of, uh, of life. Um, Paul says this to, to the church of Philippi, don't worry about anything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. There's a sense where we can, we can read those 
those, those verses that sit there for us and find great strength in times um, of, of trouble. But this morning, um, the passage that we're going to look at, I think clearly speaks to us that whatever situation we're facing, uh, that we can find peace and comfort by spending time alone with God. If you've got your Bibles, uh, it's uh, Matthew chapter 26, 36 to 46. That's very easy to remember. Uh, the context for uh, this particular passage is Jesus, Jesus has just spent uh, a Passover meal with his disciples. Uh, uh, he, he has this conversation with them about many falling away, predicts the betrayal of, of Peter. Um, he knows that his time has, has come, his hour has come. Um, his arrest was imminent. Um, the, 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 the sense of Jesus knowing uh, the hardship of what was ahead was sitting there before him. And I don't know if you've ever put yourself in Jesus' shoes, but I'm um, in that moment. I, w- I would feel incredibly stressful in that moment. The rejection of people, the humiliation that was coming on the cross, the pain of the cross. This, this passage that we're about to read speaks something of Jesus' humanity. Um, we read these words that Jesus became um, anguished and, and distressed, crushed with grief to the point of death. Luke, in his account, talks about um, Jesus being in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. However you interpret that, um, the reality is, is Jesus really um, did feel uh, th- that moment that was coming for him. He was in great distress in that moment. Um, the scene is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and you'll see a picture on the screen here. Um, this was a beautiful place, a place where Jesus and his disciples often went and spent. And um, If you can picture for a moment yourself a beautiful garden somewhere that you... you, you sit and you just spend time alone or you might be with friends. I know that um, we've often as a family used uh, Castlemaine Gardens as a place to go and it's a beautiful, beautiful um, setting and this setting was was similar to that. It was a place um, that uh, they, they processed olives to make olive oil. They still do that to this day. Um, Gethsemane actually means uh, oil press and there's a lot of symbolism um, that you could look at in this particular passage around that and, and particularly where Jesus uh, was about to, to go and as far as his destiny was concerned. Um, olive oil was used for many things just like today. Um, it was used in religious ceremonies, um, cooking, healing, cleaning. It was a whole bunch of things. And so um, Matthew... Um, Chapter 26, 36 to 46. If you don't have your Bibles, it should be on the screen there. It says this, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove grove called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. And he became anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed 
with grief to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed his face to the ground praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to his disciples and found them asleep. He said to, to Peter, can't you, can't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will, will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. In this passage, we see right in the midst of what would have been an incredibly confronting situation, Jesus spends time alone with his father. In this moment, Jesus could have done many things. He could have gone back to his family to seek refuge, but he didn't. Um, he could have engaged in the festivities at the time, the, the feast of unleavened bread and all the activities that were happening around that in the city, but he didn't. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. What do you do in moments where something is pending and you feel completely disturbed? Worked up, stressed, fearful. I find myself often gravitating towards people, family and friends. Or maybe some uh, use vices in that moment to, to dull uh, the pain of, of what you may be thinking and, and feeling. Or maybe you're someone like me also who, who tries to manage things on their own. I know that when we, we shifted from... Uh, Avery Court, which is where we were living when we first moved to Bendigo 12 years ago, um, to, to the house that we built in Stratford, say, um, we did it on our own. I, I got the bus from Life Essentials, and Jill and I and the kids shifted the house. Um, we, we had many people offer assistance, but I said no, um, because I wanted to do it on my own. I was somebody who, who, um, used to pride themselves in being able to just do it on their own. But in this passage, I believe we see something um, completely different. Jesus modelled something for us to follow, that in times of great stress, uh, um, spending time alone with God will give us comfort and peace. Later in the passage, we read that after Jesus uh, and his disciples had finished this Passover meal, they sang a hymn, and then they went to the Mount of Olives. Andrew, Peter, Bartholomew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, son 
um, Simon the Zealot, Thaddeus and Matthew, they all stayed at the, the, the entrance of uh, the, the, the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. Then, uh, <clears throat> uh, then Peter, James and John went with Jesus into the garden a little further, and we see that in verse 39. And then Jesus goes a little bit further on his own. You'll notice in the passage that um, Jesus, uh, uh, that while he's engaging in this moment of silence and solitude with, with his father, um, his, his disciples struggle to stay awake. Uh, you, you've got to be careful when you do uh, sort of uh, um, interpretation, um, and I'm not sure if this passage really says this, but one commentator said, said uh, this, their physical weariness, so the, the physical weariness of the disciples mirrors the spiritual slumber, um, highlighting the human tendency to falter in moments of crucial connection with God. I'm not sure if we can take that uh, from this particular passage where, they, where they, uh, the d- disciples fell asleep. Some good thinking you can do around that, but I think they were just tired. It was late at night, they just fell asleep, just like you and I. The humanness came out in that moment. Um, and in this moment, verse 41, Jesus was in this, this, this place for about an hour, okay? And um, the scripture says that he requested or he poured his heart out by saying this, If it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. I thought about that. Uh, I don't want to be too presumptuous here today, but did, did Jesus say anything else in that moment? We know that he was on his own, and so Matthew in this situation may not have been able to recall other things that were being said, the dialogue, the divine dialogue that may, may have been going on. Or was it just the one question that Jesus asked, and this is where I'd lean towards, and then he just waited on, on his, his father to respond. Um, uh, scripture doesn't really um, shed too much light on this, but the, let's presume for a moment that's what was going on. That Jesus in that hour just simply poured out his heart to God. Then he waited in silence and he waited for, Jesus, for, for his father uh, to, to respond to him. Um, Jesus modelled, I think, something here for us to consider. Right there in the Garden of Gethsemane, somewhere amongst the, the, uh, the ancient olive trees, um, in the silence and solitude, Jesus found comfort and peace in what was ahead for him. Let's think about it for a moment. Jesus was about to experience something that no one has ever and will ever experience by taking the sin of the world and the curse of mankind upon himself. He experienced the abandonment of of his father. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He took upon himself the curse of all wrongdoing. 
This is a profound thing about Jesus. This is why we're here today, to worship an incredible God who has provided a way for each and every one of us through his son on the cross, to know him because of this. When Jesus said those beautiful words, not my will but yours be done, he was owning his own destiny, finding complete peace and comfort in that moment. Jesus modelled something incredible, that we can find peace and comfort in yielding our ambitions, fears and desires to God's plan and purpose for our lives. Right in the moment, Jesus teaches that spiritual maturity is found in surrender and obedience to God. And I thought about that during the week. Surrendering our, our, ourselves, our will, involves letting go of the need to control every aspect of our lives, trusting that God has a greater plan and purpose for us. Following Jesus is about embracing the challenges Believing that God will be with us and guide us every step of the way. I think also um, uh, this, 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 for us to surrender and be obedient to God is aligning our actions with what we believe. I think that's truly living by the way. By following what we see in the life of Jesus and what he, what he did and what he spoke about results in a life of harmony with God's plans and purposes for us. I recently read the Didach, it's a summary uh, written on Christian behaviour in 1056, before the Reformation. And chapter 11 says this. I found this really fascinating and confronting for myself. It says this. Every, this, is a, this is a summary of... Um, Christian behaviour a thousand years ago. Every prophet who teaches the truth, if he doesn't do what he teacheth, teacheth, is a false prophet. I I read that and I thought, if you don't practice what you preach, then you're not really who you say you are. I found that really confronting. I, I, for those who, who know me, you know that I read a little bit in um, the spiritual formation uh, ilk. Um, I like reading John Mark Comer and guys like um, Bra- James Brian Smith and, of course, old mate uh, Mark Scandrett, which, which a lot of people don't like reading. But these guys basically have taken the, the practices of Jesus, the life of Jesus, and just totally embraced... Uh, in a really practical way, how that looks for them. And it's transformed their lives. And I, I love reading that stuff. But at the end of the day, for me, if we're not embracing uh, the teachings of Jesus and if we're not embracing the lifestyle of Jesus, then, then who are we? Are we really apprentices? Are we really Christians? Are we really followers? If we're not doing that, God, by his grace, obviously... Um, you know, has mercy on us. But there's something about um, the words of Jesus in this moment where he says, not my will, but yours be done. It's not about us, folks. It's about what Jesus 
has done and it's about what God wants for our destiny in life. There is comfort and peace that we can found that can be found in listening to God in moments of silence and solitude. Spending a time time alone with God allows us not only to enjoy his presence but opens a path to hearing from him. Billy Graham there's a quote on the screen there um, wrote this many years ago. It's not easy to shut out the world, set aside a few minutes by yourself and spend time in God's word and prayer. But it's essential if you, you, if you are to grow in our, if we are to grow in our relationship with God and be strengthened for the battles ahead. Don't delay. Begin now to spend time alone with God every day. But here's the thing that really grabbed me in this passage. There's a whole lot of stuff that is in there, but the thing that grabbed me the most was this. Um, It was in Jesus' most confronting moment that God did his most amazing work. And I'm not sure if you've ever thought much about that. It's in our darkest moments that God does his greatest work in and through us. Um, Paul, uh, he, he asked for the thorn in his side to be removed three times. And the Lord's response, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. Um, St John of the Cross in the 16th century wrote a poem called Dark Night of the Soul and it talks about this whole idea of, of in those dark moments of our journey, in those moments where we feel alone or isolated, where we feel like maybe God has abandoned us, um, is often the moments, and I believe are the moments, when God does his great, greatest work in us. Go back to the oil press. It was a press. It was under great, it's under great pressure that you get beautiful olive oil. Um, Thomas Merton, he, he um, made this comment. The Desert Fathers believed that the wilderness had been cre- created as supremely valuable um, in the eyes of God pre- precisely because it was of no value to men. The wasteland was the land that could never be wasted by men because it offered nothing. There was nothing to attract and there was nothing to exploit. Yet in the desert was the, was the region in which God's people had wandered 40 years, cared for by God alone. Uh, they could have reached the promised land in a few uh, months if they had travelled directly to it. God's plan was that they should learn to love him in the wilderness and that they should always look back upon that time in the desert as, idol- as an idyllic time of their life with him alone i'm i'm beginning to to get a glimpse of this that our greatest moments in life stem from the hardships of life that in those moments of the dark night of the soul we can find comfort and peace in time alone with god you would have heard me 18 months ago tell the uh, share about the the trip to to the northern territory i i went about 18 months ago um, to a place called number and it was on the back end of having covid and also having the flu 
And um, when I got there, I, I found myself in all sorts of grief around um, breathing. And uh, we had been scraping down a, a church that was um, an old church with, with old paints and with, um, with uh, um, uh, mould that had grown on the walls. And, and, I, and I found myself in this place where I could hardly breathe. And uh, they, you would have me tell, tell the story that the medical fraternity thought, um, at Numbawa thought I was having a heart attack. And um, it, it was in that moment where I, I, it, was, it was a dark moment for me. Um, it was in that moment where I was alone, uh, feeling like maybe this is it, um, that I had the, the deepest and most um, profound encounter with God in finding peace and comfort, knowing that he was, was there. And it came about because I spent time alone. Um, uh, Wes and Clinton were, were doing the hard work in the, in, the, in the church at the time while I was trying to sort out what was going on. And I was back at the house and I was on my own. It was in that moment of quietness and solitude before God that I found comfort and peace. In our dark moments, we can find peace and comfort by spending time alone with God in silence and, and solitude. Imagine for a moment... If we all accepted the invitation to build this rhythm into our lives, the difference that would make for us, for our church, our families, our work environments, would be immeasurable. And as we finish today, Gethsemane stands as a sacred garden where Jesus modelled time alone with his Father. As we navigate our gardens of trials and decisions, let's follow the lead, finding strength, in solace and communion with God. In today's passage, we find that truly living is birthed in surrender of our will to a divine plan. The practice of silence and solitude is one of the, one of the many rhythms that guarantees a divine embrace with our incredible God. As we finish today, I'm going to follow the same pattern as Trina. And David, by spending three minutes in silence and solitude. Um, I want to model this morning what Jesus did in that moment. I want you to, to pour out your heart to God. A question, a statement. Maybe it's how you're feeling at the moment. I want you to do that right at the front end. And then on the screen you'll see uh, these words. I want your will to be done, not mine. So I want you to ask that, pour your heart out to God. And then I want you to, to, to simply say, not my will, but yours be done. And then in the three minutes to follow, I want you to listen to the, the, the response that God has for you in the silence. Let's do that now.
this morning if you've heard from God. Um, can I encourage you to, to share that with someone, if you feel comfortable um, around you, someone close. Um, it would be great to be able to, this morning, um, uh, to speak what God has said to us. And if you feel like there, there is something that a word has, has come to you from God that is, is for us as a church, I encourage you to, to speak that. God is a God who loves uh, the divine dialogue with us and it's in silence and solitude that we can hear his voice. Let's worship this morning.